Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Can I confess something? Is that an okay way to start the message? My confession is, I hate waiting. Anybody else? Anybody with me? Hands all over, right? Yeah. Smattering of applause. We hate waiting. In fact, I think I'm in safe company today because on Facebook this week, I posted the question. I was like, how many of you can't stand waiting? And I got like 80 or 90 comments. And some of them were half a sentence, but some of them were chapters of a book, I'm convinced. People going off about waiting. And a lot of it was the common stuff that we all get frustrated. How about this? How many of you get frustrated when you're in line at the store, you're in the 20 items or less line, and you're behind the person that has a cart full of stuff? And you're like, can you read? Hello? And then if that's not bad enough, not only do they have the full cart, they get up to pay. And when they go to pay, they're not even ready. They don't have their wallet out. They're not engaged at all. They're doing something else. And then the moment they get up to pay, they're not even paying with a card. They're one of the three people on the planet that I still know that actually writes a check. Like, really? Have you heard of a credit card? Have you heard of a debit card, right? I mean, really? And then what's even more frustrated is you're looking down the aisle at the store. There's 40 cash registers, and only two of them are open. Have y'all seen that? That was me at Walmart like a month ago. I made the mistake before we went to lunch, stopped Sunday afternoon at Walmart, and it looked like the end of the world was happening. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, we just get frustrated waiting. We get frustrated waiting. What, what about waiting when, when, when you're at the red light, it turns green, and the person doesn't go immediately? Does that frustrate anybody? I mean, somebody from, I'm not going to name any names, but somebody commented on it. They're like, I'm in the car. The light turns green. They don't go. So I'm yelling at them. I'm yelling, go, go, go. I'm yelling at them while listening to a Sugar Hill Church worship album. (laughs) Welcome home, right? (laughs) I mean, Jenny Allen over here. So Chuck and Jenny have been almost next week. You got to be here. Next week is six year anniversary of Pastor Chuck being our pastor. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? I didn't mean to call Jenny out, but she commented on it, and she's like, man, the thing that I can't stand is she gets on those automated lines, and they're like, you know, press one or press two or whatever, and then it doesn't even work, and then it starts all over again. Do y'all get frustrated with that, right? I mean, some of that stuff is kind of funny, and some of it is common to all of us, but man, honestly, when I was looking at all those comments, some of them got really gut-level honest serious. There's somebody that's like, hey, I'm patient with my kids when it comes to schoolwork and behavior, but the thing that I don't like waiting on is when there's something going on with them and their health, and I'm waiting for answers, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. They're like, I don't like waiting then. There's somebody else that was talking about the fact that they had a prayer request, and it was something they kept lifting up, and they're like, man, I know that God's timing is perfect. I know that he knows better than I do, but while I'm in the wait, it's just hard. I think that's a lot of us. I think a lot of us in this room that that's what's really difficult is, yes, there's the silly stuff that drives us crazy, but honestly, there's a lot of real heavy stuff that drives us crazy, right? I was talking to somebody this week that all they want to do is to conceive a child. That's their heartbeat. They're like, man, we want to conceive. We want to have a child, and yet we can't. 
And they're frustrated because they look around and they see a lot of people in our society that don't even want kids and they have kids and they're like, hello, we actually want to have a child. And yet for whatever reason, God's not answering that prayer. There's other people that I've talked to recently that, man, they, they served faithfully in their job. I mean, they, they killed it in their job for 18, 20 years. They gave everything that they could to this corporation. And then they showed up one day and were told, hey, we're letting you go now. And so now they've been in the season of waiting. They're like, God, where are you at? God, are you going to answer this prayer? God, what are you up to? There's somebody else I was talking to earlier this morning that, man, they've been in and out of the hospital. They've been in and out trying to get the right diagnosis, trying to get the right treatment. And every single time it seems like something goes well, then there's sort of a step back. And there's this sense of what is going on in the season of waiting. And so this morning, my encouragement, whether you're in the season right now or whether you've recently come out of it, is don't waste your weight. Don't waste it. Don't allow it to get you off track. Don't waste the season that you're in because with God, when we're in a season of waiting, it is not wasted. With God, when we're in a season where we feel like he could do something, but he hasn't done it yet, there is something God is doing. So if you have one of the handouts today, if you have one of the bulletins, I'm going to invite you to write down a couple of things this morning about how do we make sure we don't waste it? How do we make sure we don't miss what God is up to? Because the, the frustrating part is when we know that God could do something and yet he doesn't. In fact, if you have your Bibles, be finding John chapter 11, or if you have an app on your device, go ahead and be finding John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, we meet three people that know Jesus really well. We meet Mary, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. And when I say that they know Jesus really well, he's not just an acquaintance. He's not just somebody they saw in passing. He's not just somebody they sort of know about, but they are in a relationship with Jesus. They've had Jesus over to their house. They've had Jesus over for meals. They're basically in a small group together. They gather together. They know each other really, really well. And yet in John chapter 11, they are thrust into a moment of waiting where something goes wrong and they expect Jesus to show up and yet he doesn't. Have you been there? Have you ever been in that season where you were praying for something? You're like, God, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I, I know somebody that, man, their prayer is, I just want to have a spouse. I just want to get married. I want to have somebody that I can share the rest of my life with. And it's somebody else that's like, man, I, I, I just want to be in that place where I can serve God more fully. Hey, I want to get to that moment. And in the middle of this season, God, instead of giving us a passage that says, here's the four things to do while you're waiting, he doesn't give us a lesson. He lives it out. And it's almost as if in John chapter 11, Jesus orchestrates an in-the-wait season so that we could learn how to not waste. If you have your Bibles, you have your device, look at it. John chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now a certain man was ill. A certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So this is John's way of saying, hey, here's, here's who these people are. They know Jesus. They're in relationship with Jesus. In fact, it goes on to say in verse 2, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother was Lazarus, was ill. And so the, John's putting it in context. He's like, this isn't a random person to Jesus. This is somebody he's friends with. 
This isn't somebody that's an outsider. This is somebody that he's close with. It's like Mary literally worshiped at the feet of Jesus. And so it's her brother that's sick. Look what it goes on to say in verse 3. It says, So the sisters sent him word, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They don't even have to give his name. They don't have to say, hey, remember Lazarus? Remember that guy you were in Bible study with? Remember that guy you met briefly? No, 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 no. They know that Jesus knows him so well that they're so close. They're, they're such great friends. They don't even have to say his name. They just say, Jesus, that person that you care about, that person that you love, that person that you're friends with, that person is ill. And so in that moment, Mary and Martha expect Jesus to show up. In that moment, they're like, Jesus is out talking to outsiders. Jesus is out talking to people he doesn't really know. Jesus is out healing people that don't really know him. But here is a person that knows him. Here's a person that's in relationship with them. Of course, Jesus will show up. And then one day goes by and he's not there. They're like, well, maybe he was further away. Two days go by. They're like, well, maybe there's not great cell coverage in whatever village he's in. Day three goes by. Well, maybe my text message didn't go through. Day four comes by. Didn't he read my Facebook updates? And in the middle of this moment, they have to figure out, what do you do in the wait? What do you do? What do you do when you're frustrated? What do you do when you're feeling like I'm about to give up? What do you do when it seems like God has an answer, but he's not? Get, what do you do? Well, in this passage, there are three things that we have to hold on to. There are three. The question is not, are you going to be in a season of waiting? The question is, what is my attitude going to be in the season? The first thing, number one, if you're a note taker, is number one, we must maintain trust. The first thing that we have to hold on to in the middle of those seasons that aren't fun and those seasons that we don't really like is we've got to say, you know what, I don't know how this is going to end up, but number one, I'm going to keep trusting. Because honestly, that's one of the first things that disappears in the moment when we're in the wait. In the moment of the wait, when we know that God could do something and yet he doesn't do something, in the middle of that moment, we're like, really, God? I mean, I think it would have been easy for Mary and Martha to say, hey, Jesus, can we just remind you, you came to our house to eat? Hey, Jesus, can I just remind you, I worshiped you. I, I broke that expensive bottle of perfume and I put it on your feet. When everybody else thought I was crazy, I still worshiped you. And I think sometimes that happens inside of us. We're like, Jesus, really? I mean, I, I've been attending church. I've been giving, I've been volunteering in student ministry, and if we're not careful, on the outside we'll go through the motions, but on the inside we'll be ticked off at God. And trust begins to disappear. Listen to what Jesus says when he first hears that Lazarus is sick. And the reason why I want us to look at this is because Mary and Martha did not know this. They didn't get to hear this. Jesus is in another town. He's in another village. And so they come to him and say, hey, Jesus, that one that you love, he's sick. And listen to Jesus' response in verse 4. It says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Again, they, they, they didn't have the privilege of overhearing this. 
They didn't know exactly what Jesus said. All they know is Jesus' friend is sick. All they know is they sent word to Jesus. All they know is that Jesus has been healing all of these outsiders, all of these random people. And so now that his, his friend is sick, surely he's going to show up. And now Jesus doesn't show up. And Martha gets a little bit ticked off. Mary stays in her home. Martha, when Jesus finally shows up, says to Jesus, says to Jesus himself, if you had been here. I know it's easy to sort of read verses and just sort of read them sort of in a vanilla kind of way. But man, you can imagine the tension. You can imagine the drama. You can imagine like Mary, her sister was more the laid back introvert. Hey, I'm just going to chill at the house kind of person. But Martha is a go getter. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she, she, she was ready to get at it. And so she's ready to fix this problem. And so finally, four days later, Jesus, after he's been dead for four days, Jesus shows up. Martha goes out to meet him. And she's like, if you had been here, Jesus. And I think sometimes that happens to us. If you're taking notes underneath that first point, here's the principle that I want us to wrestle with this morning. That, that I think Martha didn't understand, Mary didn't understand, and the moment all we feel like is that we're alone, all we feel like is that God has forgotten us, but in the middle of that moment, we have to be reminded that a delay is not necessarily a denial. God's delays are not necessarily denials. And what we find in Scripture and what we find even in our own lives is that oftentimes God wants to go to work in us before he does something for us. See, oftentimes we want the quick way out. We want, hey, hey, Jesus, here's what I want you to do. Jesus, just show up. Lazarus is sniffling. I don't know if he just needs a steroid shot. I don't know if he needs the B12 shot. I don't know if he needs another Z-bag. But Jesus, if you'll just show up, he'll go from being sick to being well. And yet Jesus lingers a little while longer. Jesus doesn't show up when they expect him to. And now Martha's like, where have you been if you had just been here? And she needed to learn this lesson that God's delays aren't necessarily his denials, that God goes to work in us before he does something for us. And I've seen that in my own life. I think all of us have seen that. I've talked to people that are like, man, I prayed and prayed and prayed for the perfect job. And then I thought I took the perfect job and then I showed up and the job was awful. I've talked to some people that are like, man, I thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought this person was the perfect person. I thought I was going to have the perfect marriage. And then it turned out to be a nightmare. I mean, the temptation is for us to say, I'm going to fix this myself, my way. In the middle of this moment, when there's something that Jesus could do, and yet he chooses not to do it, it's because oftentimes he's doing something in us before for us. And it's in those seasons of waiting that if we don't waste them, if we don't get angry, if we stay teachable, that God shows us perseverance, that God shows us hope, that God helps us to take our walk with him more seriously. So number one, we've got to keep trusting. And then number two, a second thing that they had to hold on, that we have to hold on to, is number two, to maintain hope. We've got to keep hoping. One of the easiest things to give up on is hope. In the middle of, hey, I have an unmet need, and Jesus is not meeting this need, one of the easiest things to do is to grow bitter and to give up hope. Listen to what happens in verse 20. 
It says, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Look at the end of verse 20. But Mary remained seated in the house. It's almost like this mentality. Martha's ticked off. She's like, I'm going to go talk to Jesus. Where have you been? If you had just been here, he wouldn't have died. And it's almost like Martha has more of this mentality. Well, he's already dead. So what good is it going to be for me to go out and meet Jesus? It's too late. It's too done. It's too gone. There's no hope. And I think there's some of us that fall into that category where we think, well, I might as well give up. I mean, there's no hope. I might as well quit. This is never going to work out. And here's what we miss out in the middle of those moments is that if God always met our expectations, if God always did exactly what we wanted him to do when we wanted to do them, if God always met our expectations, then he wouldn't have the opportunity to exceed our expectations. What did Mary and Martha want? They wanted Lazarus to be well. They wanted their sick brother to be well again. That's what they wanted. Hey, Jesus, he's sniffed. I I don't know what was wrong with Lazarus. Obviously, he was in bad shape for them to send word for Jesus. I don't know what that was. But in their mind, they're like, hey, Lazarus is here. He's still alive. He's sick. He's not feeling well. Jesus, would you move him from here to here? Jesus, would you give him your B12 shot? Jesus, would you give him, uh, uh, you know, some sort of vitamin C thing? Jesus, would you make our, our sick brother well again? That was their expectation. Jesus, he's sick. Jesus, make him well. That was their expectation. But when Jesus walks into this situation, he says, again, back in verse 4, he says, this is not going to lead to death. Well, I guarantee you, some of the disciples were like, well, hello, Jesus, he died now. Four days have gone by. What's up with that? And yet Jesus says, this is happening. Let me read it to you in verse 4. He says, so that, do you see that? So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so in their mind, their so that is that so that Lazarus would be made well, so that he'd go from being sick to being well again. And Jesus is like, no, I don't want to just go from sick to well. I want to go from dead to life. They're wanting wellness, and Jesus wants a resurrection far beyond what they ever imagined. And it's interesting in Scripture that it points out that Jesus went to them, and it says that after he had been in the tomb for four days. Now, why would it say that? Well, in their culture, this isn't biblical, this isn't something that God said, but in their culture, when somebody died, they had sort of this superstitious mentality, sort of this mysticism that a person's soul sort of hovered over their body for three days. Again, it's not a Bible. It's not something that we would say is true. But just in their culture, that's what they believe. They believe that when somebody died, their spirit hung out near them for three days. But on the fourth day, when the body's decomposing and smelling, then that spirit is gone. It's too late. I think that's interesting. So Jesus shows up, and they feel like it's too late. Jesus shows up, they, they feel like there's no hope. Jesus shows up, and they're like, hey, three days, man. If you had just come one day sooner, it would have been all right. But instead, Jesus waits until they're at the bottom of what they know to do. In the middle of that moment, Jesus shows up and says, I am bringing him back to life. And I think some of us in this room need to hear that. 
I think sometimes we think, well, just because I'm not married doesn't mean that God's not preparing just the perfect person for you. I think somebody needs to hear that just because you haven't landed a job yet doesn't mean that God's not orchestrating events to get you where he wants you. That just because your prayer hasn't been answered doesn't mean that God's never going to do it. Just because you haven't conceived a child doesn't mean that you're not going to conceive a child or adopt a child and experience the love of God in a more powerful way. There's this reminder that, yes, I need to hold on to trust, and in the middle of that, I need to have hope that I need to have hope. So what do we hold on to when we're in the wait? Number one, we need to hold on to trust. I'm going to keep trusting even when I don't know how this is going to end. I'm going to trust. Number two, I need to hold on to hope. I need to say that even though it hasn't happened yet, it doesn't mean that God's not going to do something. I'm going to allow God to exceed my expectations. I'm going to allow God to do whatever he wants to do. And then finally, number three, we need to hold on to faith. We need to hold on to faith. Believing that God can. Believing that God's able. I love what happens when Martha goes out to meet Jesus. She's a little bit ticked off. When Martha goes out to meet Jesus, she's got her hand on her hip. She's like, well, if you had just been here, if you had just been here, she says to him in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So you see this picture of this broken lady. That's hard. And, and honest, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of any of our situations because I know in this room there's some heaviness because many of us have the same kind of thing going on. Maybe it is just like Lazarus. You've got a loved one that's sick. Or maybe it is some strain that's going on in your home. Or maybe it's that person that's been a wayward child and they know better. They grew up in a different environment and you're just praying that they'll come back. And so I don't mean to make light of this, but what I am saying is in the middle of the way, there's some ways that we can walk through it if we keep trusting, if we keep hoping, if we keep fueling our faith. And so here's this broken woman standing before Jesus in verse 21. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But look at verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Do you see that? Even now? So she's frustrated. She's angry. She's at the end of her patience. She's worn thin. She's like, if you had been here, but even now, whatever you ask, God can do. Do you see that? I believe, but I'm having trouble believing. I have faith, but this faith is hard. I know you can, but why haven't you? And in the middle of that moment, she has to learn how to keep this posture called the even now posture, that even though times are dark right now, even though this isn't something that I voted on, even now I believe that God is able. And so Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha says to him, well, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's like, I got that. I've got the theology. I've been in a group. I, I know that one day everybody's going to, and Christ is going to rise. I get that. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Jesus says, I am, verse 25, the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, shall he live. Jesus is saying to her, the resurrection isn't just an event that's going to happen one day. Though it's going to happen. 
Jesus is saying the resurrection is not an event. Jesus is saying the resurrection is a person. He says, I don't just resurrect. I don't just beat death. This is what I do. I'm in the business of reaching into dark situations. I'm in the business of reaching into failing health. I'm in the business of reaching into broken homes. I'm in the business of reaching into the darkest circumstances and not just making it a little bit better, not just giving it a little B12 shot, I'm in the business of reaching into dead things and bringing them back to life. I mean, can you imagine how different our days would be if we led with that kind of posture? Then instead of the woe is me kind of posture, well, you know, Monday's coming, I'm going back to the grind. Oh, here we go again. What would happen if we leaned in and led with the posture that said, maybe things aren't fine right now. Maybe they're not fun. I'm not pretending. I'm not surface, but I still believe that even now God is able. And so what happens? Well, you, most of you know how the story ends. It says in verse 38, Well, actually, back in verse 35, Jesus shows up to the tomb. He's like, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible. If you've never memorized a verse of the Bible, this would be a good one to start with. Two words, Jesus wept. You can do that, right? And it's this reminder that, yes, he's God, but he's also human. Right? When he's standing there, once he gets to the tomb of his friend who's now dead, and all of his friends are questioning, Jesus, where have you been? Jesus weeps. It's as if he puts his arm around them and says, I'm here with you. I'm not going to give you some lesson. I'm not going to give you some notes. I'm just, I'm brokenhearted over my friend. And could it be that for many of us that feel like God's far off, that he's actually a lot closer than we ever imagined? that he's with you in the middle of those tough times. And so I love what it goes on to say. It says down in verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again. He came to the tomb. It was a cave, a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, again, the one with the to-do list, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, but Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for, here it is, four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you? that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes. He said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people that are standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus is saying, this season of waiting isn't wasted. Why is it not wasted? Because somehow they're going to believe. Somehow God's going to get the glory. And so Jesus says to Lazarus in verse 43, Lazarus, come out, verse 44. The man who had died came out. His hands, his feet were bound with linen straps, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus totally exceeds their expectations, and he brings this dead man to life. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe those great disappointments in your life is actually fertile ground for a great miracle of God? Instead of getting angry, instead of getting bitter, would you embrace in the weight and say, God, I don't understand, but would you do a work in me? Would you do a work through me? And maybe you're like Martha, I believe, and yet I'm struggling with belief. 
God, would you help me to live with an even now mentality? I don't know what that weight is for you. For those of you that have been around a while, know that a major part of my weight was when my father passed away. Didn't see it coming. And it rocked my world. I still believed in God, but there's a season I was like, I don't know if I can trust him. And God used people in my life to help me to keep trusting, to help me keep hoping. And somehow in the middle of that darkness, my faith grew. And that's my prayer for you as well. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? And all across this room and even online, there's many of us that are right now in the wait. And if we're not careful, we'll rush ahead. If we're not careful, we'll get angry. If we're not careful, we'll walk away from the one person that wants to walk with us. And in many ways, that weight will be wasted. But could it be that God is doing something in you that you didn't see coming, that he's doing something through you that's going to have ripple effects beyond what you ever imagined? And could it be that somehow God's going to use the weight that you're in to bring himself glory? Right now, as I pray, is there anybody in this room or even watching online, you can click the little email button there if that's you, but in this room, man, is there anybody that would just say, Bobby, pray for me, because honestly, I'm in a wait right now. I'm in a moment. I'm here in the room, but internally, man, I am frustrated. I'm in the season. I don't know what the deal is. I desperately, desperately, desperately want to see an answer. I want to see God through, come through, and you would just say, Bobby, pray for me that I wouldn't waste the season of waiting. If that's you and you would allow me to pray for you, would you just slip your hands straight up in the air, straight up in the air? Yeah, anybody else? Anybody else? It's a lot of us. Yeah. You can put your hands down. This morning, if you're in that season and you know Christ personally, I would say to you, man, don't run from the one person that wants to stand with you today. But maybe this morning... You don't even know him. Maybe, maybe you're new to this whole thing, or maybe you've walked away and you've come back recently like Erica's story is, and you would say, you know what? I need to trust him. If that's you, the best thing that could happen in the wait is to say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. If you've never done that, I invite you to do that even now in your head and your heart. You'd say, dear Jesus, would you forgive me, forgive me of my sins and save me? Help me to walk with you. In just a moment, we're going to stand. In just a moment, we're going to sing. What a powerful song to sing that, Lord, I need you. And as soon as we stand, this altar is going to be open. And so this morning, if you're in that season of wedding, you're like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I just want to invite you to bring that down to the salt. There's nothing magical about the step in front of the stage, but what is powerful is when in our heads, we know I need to trust them in our hearts and they're beating outside of our chest and with our bodies to say, Jesus, I'm bringing this to you. 
So a moment when I finish praying, we'll stand. As soon as we stand, if you want to come and kneel and pray at this altar, I invite you to do that. Or maybe this morning you're like, man, I need somebody to pray for me. Some of our encouragers will just be sort of stationed across the front here, and they would love to be able to pray with you and for you, that you would have that kind of faith that even now, God, you can do something. Father, I thank you for all of my friends in this place and those watching online. Father, I pray that this would be a day that that even now mentality begins to rise in each one of us. God, help us not to waste a season of waiting but help us to get out of the way and allow you to do something in us and allow you to do something through us and cause us to be better because of it. So Father, I pray for those that are brokenhearted right now. I I have no idea what that thing is, but I pray that hope would rise in this place today. For those that are angry, God, I pray that you'd help them to drop their guard today. For those that have little faith, would you cause that faith to moment we'll stand as soon as we stand and this altar is open our pastor and some of our encouragers are here if you just want somebody to pray with you they'd love to be able to do that as well father would you have your way in these moments would you help us not to waste the weight but to grow through it and it's in jesus name we pray amen thanks for listening to the sugar hill church podcast for more information and to find out more about our church please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com